This is a sermon from New City Presbyterian Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. To learn more about New City or to hear more sermons in this series, visit newcitycincy.org. Our scripture this morning is Romans 15, 1 through 13. You can find it on page 949 in the Bibles in your pews. It's also printed in your bulletin. Romans 15. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, this is definitely a lighter service than the last one. I think everybody got up early and then decided they were up already and decided to come. So glad you're here, though. Um, you know, it feels like, you know, 11, whatever time it is, it feels very late. But uh, my name is Michael Prevatera. I'm one of the pastors here and serve as a campus minister at Xavier University. We're glad you're here today with us. Uh, this morning, we're continuing our series through St. Paul's letter to the church in Rome. And we've been discussing what does it mean to be God's people. Kind of that's the question we've been trying to answer. And we we need that reminder and refresher because the last year and a half have been traumatic and challenging for us all, but also have a lot, in a lot of ways, directly challenged the mission of the church and our church community. And so we've been asking, what does it mean to be the church again? How do we relearn the patterns of gospel community? And if the pandemic was a dismembering of the body of Christ in a lot of ways, what does it mean to be remembered? Or what does it mean to remember? Uh, So we are in chapter 15 of Romans this morning. And just as a a refresher, uh, we've been covering this the last few weeks, but um, here in our chapter, Paul is continuing his discussion about how we're to relate to one another. He's been writing to a church community that's made up of former Jews and former pagan Gentiles. This church is made up of two radically different groups of people, and they've come together in community to worship Christ together. And and Pastor Ryan and Pastor Josh talked a little bit about this last week, but one of the situations Paul is specifically addressing is that there's been a debate 
about how Christians are to do life together and how they are to eat together and specifically whether or not uh, Christians should eat meat sacrificed to idols or not. And the last few weeks we've been looking at how do you work this out practically? What are some practical steps for doing that um, when we, to, to live in community with each other when we have disagreements? Well, in this chapter, Paul really hones in on the motivation for uh, what, essentially what he calls for is a kindness and patience with one another. And he, he gives us the motivation uh, in verse 15, 7, and he summarizes his whole point by saying, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Have you ever received a really warm welcome? Uh, maybe you can think about you know, reconnecting with long-lost family or a friend you haven't seen for a while. Uh, maybe, hopefully, that was your experience here visiting for the first time. You were welcomed warmly. I'm sorry if that was not your experience. We hope that was your experience. I, I always think of a time, um, I went on a trip to London a few years ago with the church, uh, our LEAP trip, London Evangelism and Prayer. We, we do a surge and a church plant uh, in, over there. And one of the things you do as part of that trip is go door-to-door to conduct surveys for the church, and that's A, really weird and uncomfortable in a lot of ways, uh, but B, one of the things that was most amazing about that was I experienced an incredible um, show of hospitality in doing that. We were going door to door, and we stopped at one house, and we were welcomed inside uh, by this Greek family who was Orthodox Christian. They had recently immigrated to London from Sudan, so all sorts of complicated global layers there, um, but they welcomed us into their living room. And they gave us tea and snacks. And we spent like an hour with them. They just had questions about us. These weird Americans walking door to door in London. Uh, and it was incredible. I'd never experienced anything like that to have a, be a complete stranger and be welcomed into somebody's house. You know, normally, if you're like me, when someone comes to my door, I'm trying to figure out the quickest way to get them away as possible. Because usually they want it, like, me to switch my electric or spe- it's Spectrum or somebody going door to door trying to get me to buy something. And I want nothing to do with it. So I'm thinking, how do I kindly get you to go away as fast as possible. I never say, come on in and tell me more about Spectrum. (laughs) Here's some snacks. Anyway, uh, but in the church, our attitudes toward each other and newcomers isn't supposed to be like that, right? It's not supposed to be go away as fast as possible. We're called to be welcomers. But it's more than just greeting and saying hi to somebody and smiling and being friendly. Uh, what Paul, the word that Paul uses for welcome in this passage can also be translated as to receive, or even better, to take to oneself. To take someone to yourself, as in take others to yourself as Christ has taken you to himself. To accept others as Christ has accepted you. This is the type of welcome that is bigger than just throwing a great party and having lots of snacks. And that's good. That kind of hospitality is good. But the type of welcome that Paul is talking about here implies a deep fellowship and relationship. It's familial, in other ways. It's like family, especially with those who are very different from you, who may have nothing in common with you. That is the kind of welcome Paul is talking about. And in a country where a very large percentage of people report feeling lonely, and I don't know what the latest percentages are on that, but I'm sure COVID has only made that worse, it's incredibly important for us to think about what does it mean to welcome. So look again at what Paul says in verse 7. He says, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. And what I want to start with this morning is rather than give you a bunch of like 10 steps on how to be a better welcomer, what I really want to focus on is the second part of verse 7, this as Christ has welcomed you, part. I want to focus on what the welcome of Jesus looks like 
that we read about all throughout the Gospels. And so to do that, we're going to look at four different stories, four different types of people um, that we read in the four Gospels. Um, the weak, the struggling, the unpopular, and the undeserving. So I'm not going to read these. You can, I'll have the Bible verses. You can, you can look them up in the scripture if you would like as I'm talking about it. But I want to start just by looking at these little anecdotes, these little um, stories of Jesus' interactions with people. So first, the weak. In Mark 10, verses 13 to 16, we have this famous account where Jesus is teaching in a crowd and people start bringing these infants, these babies, these children to Jesus. They want Jesus to touch the kids and bless them. And, and Jesus gets, his disciples get really angry about this. They're like, hey, 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 Jesus is too busy for your kids. Um, and I love this, this picture here. Uh, this is by uh, Cranich the Elder who was... Uh, Worked with Martin Luther, did a lot of woodcuts for him, artist. Um, I love this for a number of reasons. First, you have Jesus kissing a baby, but then you also have that baby on Jesus' back just hanging there. It's kind of <laughs> over his shoulder hanging out. Um, I, I love that. Um, but what does Jesus do? He, he, he actually he gets angry with his disciples, and he said, responds, let, them, let the little children come to me, for to such belong the kingdom of God. And Jesus, he takes these in his arms, these, these infants in his arms, and he blesses them. He takes them to himself. He welcomes these, these kids with nothing to offer, nothing to contribute. Those who are most needy, who can't feed or clothe themselves, who, who many in our, those who would, many in our world consider insignificant when compared to famous celebrities or influencers or great world leaders. This is who Jesus welcomes. This is who Jesus thinks is important. And this is pretty a new idea for his disciples. I can't imagine. They didn't have categories for this, that Jesus would rather be with the children than be with all the people, that Jesus thought it was important to take time to welcome these children. And notice he doesn't just uh, wave to these babies or make silly faces at them or play peekaboo. Like, he actually takes them in his arms. If you read in Mark, he takes them in his arms and he prays for them. He welcomes these weak infants with care and prayer, and kindness, and acceptance, and he holds them up as an example. He says, you know, if you want to be one of my followers, if you want to be one of, part of God's kingdom, you need to be more like these children, utterly helpless, and just allow me to welcome you in. So, the weak, the insignificant. Jesus also, we see, welcomes the struggling. This is uh, Luke chapter 7, verses 6, uh, excuse me, Luke seven thirty-six, to verse 50. And in this story, in Luke, in Luke chapter 7, Jesus is invited to a party, which is thrown by a VIP Pharisee named Simon, a, a really important uh, religious leader at the time. And um, what happens is Jesus is at this party with his disciples, and then someone crashes the party. And this someone is a prostitute. Uh, possibly, according to church tradition, this is Mary Magdalene. Uh, we're not sure, but that's kind of the, the tradition behind this. And this, but anyway, this is a woman who is considered filthy by everyone there. She's, she's not wanted by anyone at the party. She's, she daily experiences shame and trauma and hurt. She's been used and abused and rejected and sees pretty much no way out of her circumstances. And she wanders into this party where she is not welcome, and she knows it. She's taking a risk to do this, but she comes in anyway. She crashes the party, and she falls down at Jesus' feet and she's a hot, tearful mess, right? You can imagine the, the makeup running down her face and tears falling on Jesus' feet. 
And then realizing what she done, she, she's done, she starts drying his, his feet with her, her hair because uh, she feels anxious about this and nervous and embarrassed. And then she anoints Jesus with oil as a sign of respect and honor. But she is so desperate to be near Jesus. She knows that he alone can help her. Now, the Pharisee Simon reacts with disgust. You know, he's like, why is Jesus letting this filthy, unclean, unwanted prostitute touch her? Who is this guy? Like, why would he do this? And Jesus realizes, you know, what Simon's thinking, maybe what he's muttering to his friends, and he tells him a story where the moral is, those who are forgiven much, love much. And Jesus says, this woman has been forgiven much. Jesus here welcomes and shows kindness to a woman society says he should have nothing to do with. He tells her how much she is forgiven and says, go from here in peace. And if this is indeed Mary Magdalene, then she leaves after experiencing Jesus' welcome as, and becomes one of his most devoted followers. Right? She, she becomes the first witness to the resurrection and one of the first evangelists of the resurrection. That's what the welcome of Jesus does for people. It makes them love Jesus so much more, uh, so much that they will upend their entire lives for a life dedicated to the Savior, simply by being welcomed and accepted by Jesus. So the weak, the struggling, we see Jesus welcome, uh, and then we see him welcome the unpopular as well. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10, tells a story uh, about a rich tax, tax collector named Zacchaeus. You might have heard of this story. He's a short guy up in a tree. If, you, if There's children's songs about him. All right. uh, Zacchaeus uh, wasn't very well liked by the locals in Jericho where he lived because he was a tax collector, which meant that he had defrauded people and taken their money, plus his own fees, and he worked for the Roman invaders and made a ton of money doing it. And he was generally just hated by everybody because he's kind of a jerk. He's taking people's money. Well, one day, Jesus comes to town, and as he's being welcomed by the big crowds, he spots Zacchaeus up in a tree, because he's short, right? So he's trying to see Jesus, as Zacchaeus is. Um, and he invites himself to Zacchaeus' house for dinner. He says, hey, Zach, I'm coming for dinner. Let's go. And of course, uh, this makes everyone in Jericho mad. They're, they're like, what, what's going on? Jesus is going to the house of a sinner. He's going to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. And they don't like that. And yes, while technically Jesus is the guest in this situation, in reality, he is the one who's hosting a very corrupt and unlikable man in his presence. Like, remember, he invites, he does invite himself to Zacchaeus' house, but he invites Zacchaeus to be with him, right? He's not a mooch. Jesus isn't a mooch, right? Jesus isn't looking for a free meal or a place to stay for the night, right? He has real intentions about with this. He's, he, he wants, he seeks Zacchaeus out, um, because Jesus said the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And so he welcomes Zacchaeus into his presence. And again, it's Jesus' welcoming and seeking of Zacchaeus which changes his life. Zacchaeus was lost and unliked, and simply by being welcomed into the presence of the Lord, it was enough to say, he said he was going to give away half his stuff, all his stuff, Right? And half his stuff and refund what he had stolen. In other words, being accepted and welcomed by Jesus led to a complete 180 in his life. All because Jesus said, You are worth spending time with Zacchaeus. No one else likes you. 
but you're the one I want to hang out with. So we see the who, Jesus welcomes the weak, the struggling, the unpopular. We even see Jesus welcome the undeserving. Luke 23, verse 39 to 43, we see that Jesus, God is a God of welcome. Jesus is a God of welcome. And we see this throughout uh, these stories where Jesus interacts with people through his life. But even in his dying, he's still welcoming people, right? Even in his dying, Jesus never stops welcoming even those who don't deserve it at all. So Luke 23, uh, we are told that as Jesus is being executed by the Romans, he was hanged between two criminals. And there was one who mocked Jesus who said, you know, if you're really a Christ, save yourself and us. But the other criminal, and this is the one who's pictured in this painting, uh, rebukes that guy and says, hey, 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 we deserve this. We deserve what we're getting here, but Jesus doesn't. Don't you fear God? And then he looks right at Jesus while he's hanging on the cross, while they're both dying, and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what does Jesus do? How does he respond to this guilty man? And remember, this man admits that he's guilty. He, I mean, he's a guy that lived a life uh, such that he was executed by the Romans. Right? He's not a good guy. He was a thief. He was probably a murderer. He was at least an insurrectionist. Uh, he's a bad guy. If you get to this point in your life, you've done something wrong generally, right? He's not a good dude. And he admits to being totally guilty. So what does Jesus do for this guy? He welcomes him. He welcomes him into the people of God. And he says, truly, Jesus says, truly, I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Now, if there's anyone who deserves to be turned away by Jesus, it's that guy, right? Uh, he has done nothing good. And yet, Jesus welcomes even this kind of person into his kingdom. Jesus is kind and accepting to this sort of man. Why? Not because he's done anything good to make Jesus love and accept him, right? Because he's, he's being executed for his crimes. He doesn't really have a chance to do any good things or good works, right? It's because Jesus, um, he, first of all, he, he, Jesus knows where his heart is. But this man is honest about how messed up he was and that only Jesus could help him. That was his only hope. And as Paul writes in verse 15, 3, quoting from the Old Testament, the reproaches of this man fell on Jesus. Jesus says to him, I got you. Welcome to my kingdom. And he gives him eternal life. So the weak, the struggling, the unpopular, the undeserving, and then finally there's a last group of people Jesus welcomes. That's you and me. Right? Maybe, maybe you see yourself in one of those categories. Maybe those, you can relate to those stories. Um, maybe you think you're worse than all those people. I don't know where you find yourself, but guess what? Jesus accepts and welcomes and takes to himself and receives even you. Even you. And if, and if the thief on the cross doesn't prove that to you, if the repentant thief on the cross doesn't prove that, I don't know what will. Because, I mean, that guy's really bad, right? And unless you're in the same place as him, uh, there's hope for you still. Jesus came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance, he tells us. He came to welcome even you, no matter how much you struggle, no matter what has been done to you, no matter how much you've blown it, no matter, matter how much you, you turn away from God, no matter how much you doubt, no matter how much you hurt, Jesus welcomes you. He welcomes me. 
And trust me, if God can call a screw-up like me to be a pastor, there's hope for you. You'll be okay. Jesus is happy you're here today. This is how he welcomes. These are the kinds of people Jesus welcomes. So if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, or you're trying to be, or you want to be, Jesus welcomes you. He accepts you. He takes you to himself. Receive his welcome. And what this leads to, though, is something incredible. It should lead to something incredible. Paul tells us, again, we're looking at verse verse 7. He says, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. And so as we've seen, experiencing the welcome of Jesus leads to transformation in our lives and the lives of others. It leads to new life and a new way of life. And Paul is drawing on all of our experiences of of Jesus' welcome to remind the Christians in Rome how they're to treat one another. In other words, Paul is saying in Romans 15, you see how Jesus welcomes? You see how he's welcomed you? Go and do likewise. So what does Paul instruct the church to do? How does the gospel, how ought the gospel to change change our community? Well, he lays that for us in a couple verses. He says in verse 1, bear with the failings of the weak. Don't please yourself, so be patient with those who struggle. Please your neighbor, Build him up, right? Seek your neighbor's good. Uh, Glorify God with one voice. Seek harmony with one another. It's pretty simple, right? In other words, seek the good of others before yourself and try to get along with one another and be patient with one another. In other words, again, welcome one another as, as Christ has welcomed you. And this sort of welcome, Paul promises, is is how you unite the church. It leads to to God's glory. It leads to union with one another. It it leads to unified worship and mission, right? It's not, we make the mistake and think it's politics or programs or emphases that will lead to a stronger church. But no, Paul says it's a radical community of love and welcome to, to those outside the church, but also within the church that makes the church great, that strengthens the church. Especially when we welcome others who are different from us and from a totally different background from us. Paul says this is beautiful and glorifies God. Well, what's this mean for us here at New City or for you in your life? Um, first of all, it has really practical implications for, for this church community and our community and our family. Um, welcome and hospitality, as I mentioned, has been a big part of our DNA uh, for the last seven, eight years that I've been here. But to be totally honest... COVID has made that really hard. COVID has made it a struggle, and I think many of you have felt that. Um, Just simple things, and I, you know, these protocols are good, but let's be honest, masks make it easy to be anonymous, right? Uh, There's some of you, I I maybe have never seen your face, and it makes it hard to connect with each other. Uh, Social distancing makes it really easy to slip out or to ignore people. You're like, oh, that person probably doesn't want to meet me because, you know, maybe they're nervous or whatever. Or you're like, I don't want to meet anybody. This is great. I can just slip out, right? I know it's awkward to be new at a church, so that's that's the thing. But these things allow us um, to make community struggle. And there's a need to love our neighbors through all the protocols that we've adopted. But Paul doesn't say, you know, only welcome and accept each other when things are good. He says this is always continually be the part of a church. And so we, after the past year and a half, we've kind of just struggled through, and it's time for us to relearn how to welcome one another again and to do it well and to even grow in that, maybe beyond what we've done before. So if you have been coming around the church for a long time and you see a newcomer, someone who's brand new, go and meet them. Go say hi. 
Invite them to lunch. Um, you know, we say this uh, uh, during the passing of the peace that we tell people to try to meet someone new. Or we say that almost every week. And we mean that. That's not like just a suggestion. Like, oh, it's, it's a command. Like, go meet someone new. Try to meet someone new. Um, and we need to model again. If you've been around for a long time, we need to model again what it looks like to do that. What it used to look like and how it could be even greater. And this welcome isn't meant to be just a one-time thing either, right? Maybe there is someone who's been around New City for a long time that you haven't talked to for months, weeks, years even. Uh, and you just assume, well, they probably have their own friend group now. They don't need me, whatever it might be. What if they're actually really lonely? I mean, maybe they need to experience your welcome and acceptance again. Maybe they need a hug. Like, I think about my kids. Like, I didn't just, like, hug my kids when they were two and tell them I love them, and then just say, see ya, my kid's 13, my oldest. I didn't just say one time, like, hey, buddy, I love you. Good luck. Right? Like, I tell them every day. I give my, my kids a hug every day and a kiss every day. and say, I love you. You're my son. You're my daughter. I'm proud of you. Every single day. Like, we need that. We all need to be reminded. We, all, every single one of us needs to know and experience that we are accepted here and loved by each other and loved by Jesus and loved, loved continually. Jesus doesn't just welcome you, after he doesn't just welcome you once and say, hey, see ya. No, daily his spirit reminds us of his love and forgiveness. And weekly in worship we even hear of his love and forgiveness and acceptance to us. And assurance that he is for us. So if, you're, if, you've, uh, if you know someone that's been around for a while and you've talked to him, like, go say hi. Welcome him again. And if you've been around for a while and maybe you feel a little lonely, you're not as plugged in as you'd like, you know, this is your chance to, to be for somebody else, even, what you wish would happen to you, right? To go, go, if you see somebody new, even if you feel lonely or not as plugged in, like, this is your chance to see someone else who might be in the same spot and to welcome them and to comfort them in the way that you feel like you're missing out. Right? Think about what you're missing and look for someone else who might be missing it, too, and welcome them. And if you volunteer uh, on Sunday mornings here in New City Kids or our greeting team or hospitality, whatever it is, or you lead a community group, um, do you realize that the heart of everything that you're doing is the welcome of Jesus for the stranger? I don't know if you, we think about that as we're handing out bulletins or making coffee or, or you know, trying to keep kids from screaming for 45 minutes or whatever it might be. But what you do when you volunteer here is actually embody the welcome of Christ. Embody the love of Jesus. Um, and, and you have a chance to do it. So think about that as you, as you just, you do these things around the church, you, as you live in the life and community. What does it look like to embody the welcome of Jesus here on Sunday mornings and you're volunteering and you're using your gifts? And it doesn't just apply to the church, right? We are called, again, to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us wherever we go even outside these doors, in, into your week, in your office or your neighborhood or at the grocery store even, to, to, we are called to embody, to be ambassadors of the gospel, but to embody the welcome of Jesus wherever we go. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Wherever you go, you take Christ with you. He is with you. And so you have a chance to be that welcoming presence wherever you find yourself throughout the week. In other words welcoming one another as Christ has welcomed us isn't optional. After a year of Christians in this country fighting with each other about COVID policies and politics and pretty much everything else, what we need now most of all, more than ever, is to accept and take each other to ourselves, to welcome one another again, even when we disagree and disagree strongly. It's okay to disagree 
We need to remember who we are in Christ and, and how he has welcomed us and to be that for one another. The world is longing for this kind of community. There are way too few spaces where you can show up and be welcomed like this. And so we're called to do this. We need this in our world. And it's hard work. It takes a lot of risk. It can be really uncomfortable. It means opening yourself to all sorts of stuff and possibly rejection and, and whatever else. So how do you become a community like this? Besides just going and doing it. The answer is the gospel, ultimately. Right? We must be rooted and awashed in the welcoming of Jesus in our own lives, personally, but also corporately. We need, as a community, to, to just remember Christ's love and mercy toward us. Because we forget, don't we? We forget how much we've been welcomed and how much Christ loves us, even to the point of dying on a cross for us. We need to be constantly reminded of God's welcome and Christ's welcome for you. And so if you're here this morning just exploring Christianity, first of all, we're really glad you're here. Welcome. Jesus welcomes you. And if you're still not sure if God wants you or likes you or could ever accept you, just remember all the people we read about this morning and talked about this morning. There's hope for you. And I didn't even mention the, the people that Jesus welcomes who are tormented by demons or the sick or those who are completely outside of God's people. God is a welcoming God. All of Jesus' life was a life of welcome. And if you've been a Christian for some time, remember that Christ hasn't stopped welcoming you. He has called you to be his son or daughter. He has adopted you into his family. No matter how much you've screwed up, he has covered your sins with his record. He has called us righteous and clean, even though we're sinners and we keep going back to the crap that, we, that messes us up in the first place. Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. He died for our sins. He died in our place. Jesus gave up everything to welcome us, to welcome you. He came for that purpose. That is the heart of the gospel message. That is the heart of Christianity. A God who welcomes the ones who turned against him and was willing to give up everything to have us back. So do you know his welcome? Do you remember his welcome? Have you thought about his acceptance of you recently? Rest in his welcome. Rest in his love. Know that you are loved and accepted by the God of the universe and then let your life be transformed. Go and welcome each other and those in your office, your neighborhood, your streets, this building, like that. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, our God of, of welcome and love, we thank you for your kindness to us. We thank you that you have gone after us even when we want nothing to do with you to give us a new life, to transform our lives, to, to reorient us and change us and to be your welcoming presence wherever we go. We confess, Lord, that so often we forget that and we even doubt that you like us. But remind us again and keep us in your love. Help us to abide in your love that we might welcome each other as you have welcomed us. We pray in your mighty name. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from New City, a church in Cincinnati, Ohio. Visit our website at newcitycincy.org for more sermons and resources. That's newcitycincy.org. Thanks for joining us today, 
and God bless you.